again, I'm not here to be political. I'm just here to say that it's good for you to stay up to date, read everything that you can and understand this. If you have a chance to vote, if you have a chance to speak to your congressperson and you like being an independent contractor, um, make it known that you do this for a reason. You chose to be your own business person and boss. You don't want to be forced to become a company driver. Um, that's what you told us. Welcome to the April 9th edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast. I'm Todd Dills, and the voice you heard at the top, not there to be political, but sounding a little political nonetheless, was that of none other than ATBS President Todd Amon. He was making reference to a hypothetical he put to leased owner-operators among ATBS clientele that asked uh, if leasing suddenly were not an option any longer, just what would they do? Today's special edition of the podcast is a re-air of Eamon's semi-annual uh, conference call with clients uh, of the business services firm and other owner-operators that offers the opportunity for listeners to benchmark their own income performance against the averages of their peers that ATBS computes. Near the call's beginning, though, Eamon detailed the pressures that the Biden administration and Congress have both renewed against the independent contractor model writ large. Fleets of all sizes are worrying more about it, as he shows. Some owner-operators are, too. At once, the majority of ATVS's owner-operator clientele aren't even aware of California's AB5 law, for instance, in place now for a year and a half and currently not applying to trucking, though that could change depending on pending court cases. The so-called ABC test in that law, in essence, prevents an independent contractor relationship between a worker and a business if both parties are essentially in the same line of work, making current and traditional owner-operator lease arrangements with motor carriers problematic in a variety of ways. What's abundantly clear from other surveys ATVS has conducted, though, I teed it up just a minute ago, but here goes again. If leasing suddenly were not an option any longer, just what would ATVS client leased owner-operators do? Not even two in ten would become company drivers, Eamon noted results of his company surveying of drivers. There's a lot more where that came from, and a wealth of data on the topsy-turvy 2020 years income performance for average owner-operators among dry, reefer, flatbed, and independent segments HBS tracks. First, though, here's a brief rundown of the week's news over at OverdriveOnline.com, the voice of the American trucker. Putting speed limiters on trucks is among highway safety measures on the National Transportation Safety Board's updated Most Wanted list. Another big request is to require collision avoidance systems, including automatic emergency braking, on all vehicles. The board has no real authority. Its job is to recommend to regulators ways to improve safety in all transportation modes. Other highway measures on the Most Wanted list include eliminating distracted driving, devising a strategy to eliminate speeding-related crashes, preventing alcohol and drug-impaired driving, and protecting vulnerable road users such as pedestrians, cyclists, and motorists. Apart from that list, one driver assist system with collision avoidance is coming standard on International LT and RH series trucks. Truckmaker Navistar says the Bendix Wingman Fusion System with an enhanced set of features will also be an option on the MV, HV, and HX series from International. Additionally, International becomes the first North American truck maker to offer Bendix's active cruise with braking system. Also offered is new active steering with lane keeping capability. Love's Travel Stops opened a new location last week in Sandersville, Mississippi, off of I-59, 
It has 93 truck parking spaces, McDonald's, eight diesel bays, five showers, and a speed go. Team owner operators Phil and Annette Albert recently faced a decision that's all too common for owners of an aging truck. Should they overhaul the engine or trade the truck? Overdrive columnist and owner operator consultant Gary Bucks detailed their deliberations over costs, maintenance, downtime, and retirement plans. They chose to trade their 2008 Kenworth T660 for a newer model. Search Ask Gary at OverdriveOnline.com to read more about the Albert's considerations, no doubt insightful for owner-operators facing down a similar decision. This year's Operation Safe Driver Week Roadside Enforcement Spree will be held July 11th through the 17th. There will be an emphasis on speeding, says the Commercial Vehicle Safety Alliance. During the week, enforcement officers will look for any driver engaging in risky behaviors around trucks. CVSA data show that interactions with law enforcement help reduce problematic driving behaviors, truly saving lives. That's welcome news in views of recent trends. Miles for all drivers dropped 13% in 2020 due to the pandemic lockdown, said the National Safety Council. Yet, highway deaths last year increased 24%. In the legal ping-pong over California's controversial AB5 law, the latest volley stung carriers and owner-operators. The district court became the second in the state to rule that federal law does not preempt AB5. Many observers believe that without that preemption, AB5 would effectively outlaw motor carrier lease arrangements with owner-operator businesses. Trucking has been operating under exemption from AB5 since the beginning of 2020. That injunction will stay in place until the California Trucking Association's lawsuit against AB5 plays out. Part of what we'll hear from ATBS's Todd Amen and what follows is a rundown of just how motor carriers and their leased owner-operators, at least those where changes occurred as a result of AB5's short life in actual effect before the trucking exemption came into effect, we'll hear how those motor carriers responded and how a nationalized version of that independent contractor rule basically wouldn't be so easy to get around. Before we get to that destination, though, with so much more along the way, here's a brief word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. First Guard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner-operators done right. As we've done for more than 80 years, we provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not First Guard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to firstguard.com. That's 1-S-T-Guard.com. First Guard. We speak trucker. Let's talk. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It's uh, four o'clock mountain time. We're located in Denver and uh, appreciate all of you that are on the road and those of you that are not on the road uh, joining us today for our semi-annual ATBS Independent Contractor Benchmarking Update. Um, Probably a lot of you have not been on this call before, so I'll uh, take some time to kind of explain what we're going to talk about. And uh, as we go through it, I'll also do that. For those of you that have been on it before, sorry if I'm redundant, but uh, just want to make sure everybody knows uh, kind of where the data comes from and all those kinds of things. So um, we do this twice a year. Typically, we do it in March. And what we do is talk about the data from the prior year. so in this case, what happened in 2020. And then we also do an update kind of halfway through the year, typically end of August, uh, early September, to talk about what's going on in the first half of the year. And really our goal by doing this is to help uh, you, our customers, and those of you that are not our customers but dial in, 
uh, that are interested in uh, the independent contractor world of trucking talk about what's going on and what we see happening and best practices really to just try and help you uh, make the most of your business and uh, you know make every every uh, bit of money that you can out there so we will be recording this and we'll send it out to everybody that's registered for the call so if you miss something or your phone cuts out or you know you only can hear part of it uh, don't worry you'll get the full thing uh, within 24 hours after we're done today so I'm going to start off by talking about uh, owner operators I guess I should start off by introducing myself I'm Todd Amon for those of you uh, that I have not had the pleasure of meeting. I'm the president of ATBS. Uh, we've been in business for 23 years and our sole purpose is to help owner operators be more successful in their business. We do books and taxes and a lot of people think of us as that tax company you know, in Denver, Colorado, but at the end of the day, we do do taxes and we're in the middle of doing thousands of them right now. Um, if you haven't heard, you probably have by now, the tax deadline was extended to May 17th. Thank God, because uh, there was a lot of changes that we needed to get through, but um, beyond doing accounting and taxes, what we really love to do at ATBS is help our clients be more successful and make more money. And so really what we try and do is take your information and understand it based on what's going on in the industry and uh, try and help you, you know, figure out where you can do more and do better and as well as save money on paying taxes to the IRS. So I'm going to start off by defining different types of owner operators because it's going to be relevant to our conversation today. You know, the world just used to look at independent truckers as owner operators and that was it. Um, used to be you just get in your truck and shut the door and drive and you made money and that's about all you had to think about. But we live in a much more competitive, complex world with a lot of technology today. And so at ATBS, we think of independent contractors in different ways because we need to serve them in different ways. Um, so, you know, we kind of think of it on a career life cycle. We're going to start off with pioneers. And pioneers are kind of those brand new owner operators that probably were company drivers for a while, but in a time like now when owner operators are killing it and making a ton of money, they want to get out and be in that owner operator business. And so in many cases, the best way to do that is to lease a truck from the motor carrier. And so they'll go out and get into a lease purchase program with a fleet and they'll kind of be that brand new owner operator. We call them pioneers. Uh, the second phase of that career path we see typically is a hired gun. Hired gun is someone that has gone out and bought their truck through a source outside of the motor carrier. So they've gone to a dealership, a used truck lot, somewhere, something like that. Or maybe they've paid off that lease purchase truck through the lease program and, um, you know, they've got clear title to it. But that hired gun likes to drive for the motor carrier because they like the buying programs, the freight being booked, the collections being done by the motor carrier. Um, so both the Pioneer and the Hired Guns operate under a larger motor carrier authority. And then we move into the Lone Ranger. And we consider a Lone Ranger someone that's out there doing the business completely on their own. They've got their own truck, their own trailer, all their own insurances. They're booking their own loads, collecting, you know, all the revenue on those kinds of things. And then lastly, we've got Trailblazers. And that's a multiple truck owner. That's someone that, you know, typically drives the truck themselves. Or maybe they've got enough trucks they've gotten out of the truck and they're running the office. But they've got you know, three, five, 10, 15 trucks or something like that. So just as we go along, as you think about those, I'll define them again, Pioneer, Hired Gun, Lone Ranger, and Trailblazers, and hopefully most of you on the call, you know, fit into one of those categories, and we're going to talk about them all today. So um, we always like to start off by talking about predictions. And so at the beginning of every year, we try and think about what's coming in the year ahead so we can help our clients be prepared and maximize their business. And, uh, you know, as we looked ahead in 2020, uh, back at the end of 2019, 
we really just thought it was kind of going to be a lackluster year. We came off of 2018, which was the best year in trucking. Rates went up. People made a lot of money. We had record net income. And then 2019 came, and it was a bit of a downturn. Uh, net income went down. Rates went down a bit. It wasn't terrible, but it was just a bit of a downturn. And what typically happens in trucking is – you know, that'll happen for two or three years. Um, you'll have a really good year, 12 to 18 months, and then you'll kind of have a sideways to down three years, and then you go up again, and that's just kind of the economic cycles that we live in. So that's what we expected for 2020. We knew it was going to be a year of uncertainty. We had the elections coming up last November. You know, if you remember back then, we talked a lot about Iran and um, North Korea, and there's a lot of geopolitical risk. Uh, we had China tariffs that had just been implemented by President Trump. And, you know, strangely, uh, early last year, we had this thing that was kind of a little bit in the news called the pandemic, but we really didn't know much about it in January and February. And then March hit, and uh, that became the headline for the rest of the year, right? Um, so it was a year of uncertainty. And really what we say in a year of uncertainty is there's probably more room for downside risk and things going bad. Like from a geopolitical perspective, you know, oil could have skyrocketed if we had some kind of event in the Middle East. Um, you know, tariffs were going to slow down freight potentially. Uh, so, you know, really our message last year was to manage for the downside. And if everything stays okay, then the upside will take care of itself. At the end of the day, the coronavirus took over and it changed our world. And, you know, I'll talk about this a few different times in a few different ways, but really what the coronavirus did is kind of compressed the business cycle of that takes four or five years into one year. So we started off with a kind of a flat January, February, March was a boom, right? Because everybody went out and bought toilet paper and water and hoarded goods because they thought they're going to be locked in their house for the rest of their life, which meant a lot of goods needed to be moved on trucks to restock the shelves. And then we kind of had this freight cliff because everybody was locked in their house and they stopped buying things and they were freaked out and they closed their pocketbooks. And so things really kind of slowed down, you know, in April and May. And then we had a bunch of government stimulus kick in and uh, people were locked in their house and they started buying things for their house. And so shipping went crazy. And so all of a sudden we had a boom in trucking. So I know I don't have to speak to you guys because you lived this, but it was a crazy year, right? It was like all of a sudden we had three or four different business operating models all in one year. At the same time, we had fuel fall from, you know, over 350 a gallon down to 250 a gallon, which was, you know, throws a wrench into what we're doing. It's a good thing, but it changes the way we think about operating. So at the end of the day, it was a crazy year. There was a lot of uncertainty. Um, you know, when things are kind of sideways and when there's uncertainty, what we usually see happen is that owner operators typically stick with what they're doing. They stay at the fleet that they're leased onto. If they've got their own authority, unless the spot market gets really terrible, which it did in April and May, um, they continue to do that unless they can't because the spot market's so bad. They may even just park their truck or they may try to lease onto a carrier. Um, so, uh, you know, by and large, I would say that most owner operators did stick with what they were doing last year, unless you're in a segment that got impacted really significantly, like the oil fields, right? They just didn't come back. And so if I was in the oil field business, I kind of probably had to get out of that business. If I was in the last mile delivery business, that was really difficult, you know, for a good chunk of last year when I, we couldn't get into people's houses. And so I may have, you know, I had to find something else to do. But by and large, owner-operators stuck with what they were doing last year. Another prediction that we made last year was that owner-operators would need to run more miles to maintain their net income, you know, with rates coming down in 2019 and probably a little bit more of that that we saw coming in 2020. To maintain your net income, we figured owner-operators would have to drive more. After the ELD was put in in 2018 and we had a good market, we saw owner-operators run the least miles they'd ever run. It had come down to 100,000 miles. Um, we expected that to go back up a bit last year, which we did see. 
I'm going to talk about a ton of numbers today, and I apologize because it's hard to, you know, hear the numbers, and especially if you're driving down the road. So, again, this is going to be recorded, and, uh, you know, we've got these numbers at ATBS, and so you can call your business consultant here and talk through these numbers with them as well. The last thing we predicted was that net income would remain flat to down overall for independent contractors last year. Again, it's a typical cycle. 2019 was down a bit after 2018, and we just expected more of the same in, in uh, 2020. So really what we said was you need to take every mile that you can. You need to work hard to maintain your standard of living last year. At the end of the day, um, we were wrong on that one. We got the net income wrong, and it went up significantly. We'll get to that when we get near the end of the presentation. But by and large, on average, the owner-operator net income went up significantly last year, which is a great thing in such a crazy year. So we um, also do this webinar. We work with a lot of motor carriers in conjunction with their owner-operators. We have about 200 partner carriers that we work that run a lot of lease operators underneath them. Uh, we did a, a similar webinar for them a couple days ago, and it's really a good time for us to get those folks on the line because they really represent the industry, and we asked them some survey questions, just three of them, but it's a good time to get sentiment. And so the first question we asked them was, do you plan to add to your independent contractor fleet this year? And, you know, from 2019 into, you know, early 2020, uh, the answer was no, not really. We don't want to add a lot of owner operators because rates kind of flat, rates aren't great. Um, and so we don't plan to add capacity. When we asked that question a couple of days ago, I can tell you that 85% of the fleets that answered wanted to add 5% or more owner operator capacity to their fleet because there's more loads than anybody can possibly haul. And so uh, everybody's looking to grow right now, right? It's a boom time in our business and everybody wants to add trucks. So one thing we spent some time on um, earlier this year is we had a changing of the guard in Washington, which everybody knows. And, you know, I am not here to make any political comments or be political. I just want to really kind of talk about the facts because we kind of know, you know, how both parties think. And we went through eight years of the Obama administration, four years of the Trump administration. And now we can think of Biden as kind of a continuation of the Obama era policies. And so one thing that is really, you know, important for us all to understand is um, the Obama years kind of really started a uh, regulatory, governmental, uh, as well as, you know, some state lawsuits and things like that around misclassification of independent contractors that the government thinks should be employees and a lot of policies were put in place and those kinds of things. And and so we really did a 180 under the Trump years, right? Um, they kind of reversed all those policies and that risk really just went away. So now that we're back into that kind of an era with this current administration, we want to understand how the industry is thinking. So we did a few things. Um, we asked some of our top partner carriers, which are, you know, billion dollar corporations that have, you know, they're publicly held. So they're risk averse, right? They need to do everything they can to protect their shareholders. And so they have in-house lawyers and legal counsel and they spend money um, doing things the right way to protect themselves and their shareholders. So we asked some of those large carriers how they felt about this risk of misclassification, employee versus IC, with the change in administrations. And under the Trump era, it was a four out of 10, 10 being we're really afraid, one being we're not afraid at all. So they were mild, mildly afraid, four out of 10. It's doubled to an eight out of 10 under the Biden administration, and rightfully so, right? Um, there are things that the Biden administration will do uh, to the Department of Labor and other places to put pressure on independent contractor classification model. Um, so we then just kind of wanted to get into the real world and we asked them how many of them were impacted by AB5. And for those of you that don't know what AB5 is, I'll just take a second to say 
you've heard about it or read about it probably in California. It's the law that really was enacted to put Uber and Lyft drivers out of the business of being independent contractors and make them employees. It was really about those gig workers, um, but it impacted everybody. It impacted trucking. Uh, if you worked for a truck line and you were an independent contractor based in California about a year and a half ago, um, the world kind of stopped, right? Because they passed this law, AB5, and all of a sudden you couldn't operate for a motor carrier if you're an independent contractor. You couldn't write for a magazine if you were an independent writer. You couldn't work for an acting company if you were an independent actor. It stopped everything. It stopped the Uber drivers, the Lyft drivers, and it went into effect December 31st. So the end result of that was trucking, because we have a good lobby. Um, we got that law stayed under some previous law uh, called F quad A that we were able to reference that goes back through a long history to say that interstate commerce, truck drivers who drive across state lines can't be held to just a California standard. And, and so fortunately that really got reversed and became not a threat. It's still in litigation and we don't know what's gonna happen under um, you know, this current administration. So a few things that happened as a result of AB5, those large fleets, they took action, right? Because there was risk, there were huge fines if they didn't comply. And what they said was um, a few things that we can do to protect ourselves. We can offer more choice for owner operators, um, not just a single dispatch load, turn it down or take it. Uh, we can have you contract as a multiple truck owner. We will only contract with multiple truck owners, meaning, I have to have, this is, I call it kind of the FedEx answer with all the lawsuits they've been through. They say, okay, you're the owner operator, but you have to have, you know, at least five trucks running for you and you have to pay those as employees. Um, they spent time updating their legal agreements. Uh, they may require you to become an LLC or something like that and not do business with you as a sole proprietor. At the end of the day, what we really saw happen in California was that most fleets um, said we can't operate with you as a owner operator based out of California anymore. So you can become a company driver or you can get your own authority and operate under our brokerage or you cannot operate for us or you can get an address outside of California. And at the end of the day, that's what we really saw happen was that last option. A lot of drivers went to Nevada and Arizona and got an address and uh, said we don't live in California anymore. And so now we can do business again. So I guess I bring all this up just because a lot of us are busy. Drivers drive and uh, you don't have time to pay attention to all the news and, and read everything. And so in many cases, we're ignorant to issues like this, but this issue is boiling up again. Um, at the end of the day, those fleets by and large said that we're gonna continue to grow with owner operator capacity, even though we're concerned, we're not gonna change the way that we do business. We like owner operators and we wanna continue to operate with owner operators. So what we did next was we just kind of wanted to, we, we consider those big fleets the ones in the know, the ones that spend millions of dollars defending themselves and have lawyers. Then we wanted to ask just the smaller fleets and some of you are on this call. You know, if I've got five, 10 trucks up to 200, 250 trucks, you know, I spend every day just running my business and that's a lot. And I don't have time to worry about things like this. Plus I don't have a target on my back. I'm not a billion dollar entity and I'm not that worried about getting sued. And so we just kind of stick our head in the sand and we go do what we do until someone tells us we can't. So with those larger, I mean, that broader base of fleets that, you know, doesn't have time and money to spend on understanding these kinds of risks, it was very similar. Um, the fear was a three out of 10 uh, under the Trump administration. It's doubled to a seven out of 10. Um, very few of those fleets are gonna consider changing their business practice. And, and so I guess I tell you this because most fleets continue to plan to expand with owner operators, but they're cautious and they wanna make sure they do it the right way and they might put some new requirements in place. 
The last thing we did was surveyed you, our driver customers, because we want to understand what you thought about this. And this is not surprising, but 60% of the clients we surveyed had never heard of AB5 because they probably didn't operate in California and it didn't affect them. There's one more thing I need to explain to you is there's a bill called the PRO Act, and it's not a California bill. It's a nationwide bill. Um, but it really essentially takes the elements of the AB5 California and makes it a nationwide act. And um, the odds are pretty good that it's not going to pass. Um, I won't go into the politics of it, uh, but we believe as a trucking industry, it's probably not going to pass. The bad news is if it did pass, it makes the AB5 law nationwide. It essentially says that as an independent contractor, you cannot operate leased onto a motor carrier. Um, so you have a few options. You can go out and get your own authority and do your own thing. You can go out of business. You can become a company driver. You can't move to Mexico or Canada, right? Unlike they did in California when they moved to Nevada and Arizona. So when we asked our clients that question, if this did become the law of the land, what would you do? 17% of you said, I'll become a company driver. I drive a truck. So what I know how to do. I need to make a living. So I'll just go to be a company driver. 33% of you said, we'll just quit the trucking industry. I don't want the government telling me what I can do and what I can't do. You know, maybe I'm old enough that I don't need the money. I'll get social security or I'll go find something else to do, but I'm not going back to be a company driver. 50% of you said that you'll go out and get your own authority and operate your own business. So um, interestingly, I guess only 17% said that they would go and drive a company driver. So really what happens at the end of the day is we fragment the industry. The goal of the PRO Act is you cannot unionize independent contractor drivers. You can only unionize employees. And it's really the unions that are behind the PRO Act because they spend a lot of money to get Democrats elected and President Biden elected. And so their goal is to push everybody into an employee organization so they can unionize them. That's what the PRO Act is. And unfortunately, based on what our clients say, it's gonna have the opposite effect, right? It's gonna very much fragment the industry and it's gonna push everybody out there to getting their own authority and doing their own thing. So. Again, I'm not here to be political. I'm just here to say that it's good for you to stay up to date, read everything that you can and understand this. If you have a chance to vote, if you have a chance to speak to your congressperson and you like being an independent contractor, um, make it known that you do this for a reason. You chose to be your own business person and boss. You don't want to be forced to become a company driver. Um, that's what you told us. And so enough of that. I'm going to um, get on to talking about trucking and economy and those kinds of things. And I always like to start by painting a big picture of what's going on. And I don't have to tell you guys, you see it, live it and breathe it every day. We are in a raging good truck market, as good as we've ever been, um, better than 2018. You can see it when you look at load boards, we pay attention to truckstop.com and DAT. And I can tell you those loads boards are multiples. They have multiples of loads posted for every truck available to haul a load more than they've ever had before, which is driving rates to record highs. Things are incredible. One thing we like to pay a lot of attention to is the CAS shipment index. CAS is a company that pays freight bills on behalf of large shippers. They pay about $30 billion worth of freight bills a year. And when you look at the CAS index, what you would notice is the number of shipments we're hauling today is still below the number of shipments that we're hauling in 2018, which means our GDP and our economy is still not as good as it was in 2018. But if you look further and look at the money being paid to haul those shipments, it's at a record high. So what that tells us is the equation in the middle is we took out capacity out of the economy last year with coronavirus and there's not enough trucks to haul all the freight. And so even though there's not quite as much freight as there was um, in 2018, or for sure last year, we're paying more to ship it. That's good, and at the end of the day, that means more money to truckers. So 
enough of that other than to say that trucking's on fire. Things are great. Uh, you should be making as much money as you've ever made. Uh, it's a good time to do it and, and keep on doing it. So I'm going to get into our ATBS specific data and really just give you some hardcore numbers on averages of what owner operators are doing. And I'm going to talk about different segments, the dry, refrigerated, flatbed, and specialized segments. And just so you understand where we get the data, ATBS works with about 20,000 independent contractors. We do the books and the taxes, as I mentioned, every single month. So the great news is no matter what segment of the industry you operate in, whether you're flatbed, whether you're a dry van, whether you're a reefer, whether you haul in the ports, whether you, you know, haul gravel and sand, whether you, you know, no matter what you do, um, we do your books the same way, right? You're a trucker, you got revenue, you got expenses, you got net income. And so we can take all that data and look at it very consistently and help you understand how you compare it to other segments in the industry. So we um, start off by looking at miles because at the end of the day, you run miles to make money in this business, right? Last year, I already mentioned that miles went up an average of 3,000 miles, about 3%. So our average driver ran about 104,000 miles. So it was interesting to look at the segments. If I ran in the flatbed business, I ran about 88,000 miles. Flatbedders run less miles for more per mile. They deadhead more of those kinds of things. The reefer runs the most miles. They ran about 116,000 miles. Drive in somewhere in between, they're right around 108,000 miles. So again, I'm just gonna give you a bunch of benchmarks to try and think about your business. Um, when we look at the long term, one of the reasons that we said we thought miles would be up last year is because it was gonna be a difficult year. And so it's interesting when we go back and look at different cycles, you know, whether it was the dot-com bust in the early 2000s, the Great Recession, or kind of the freight recession of 2014-15, what we see happen is when things are tough for owner-operators, they run more miles. Rates are down and they need to to make more money. Strangely, when things are good for owner-operators, when we're in a booming economy like we were in 2018 for truckers, um, you run less miles. And I think of that as counterintuitive because when there's more work to do, in my business, it's tax time right now. So we're working 60 hours a week because we got to do tax returns. But in trucking, drivers run less miles because they're making more money. And what they really want is to be a little bit more choosy on their loads, pick the loads that go where they want to go. They want to be home more often. And they can do that and they can make the same or more money. So that's what we see happen. I think really, because last year was so confusing, it wasn't necessarily we, we ran more miles because we made more money. And so by and large, we would have expected drivers to run less miles last year because they were making more money at the end of the day. I think really what happened is what we told you guys last year and what we thought was it's an uncertain year. We don't know what's going to happen, right? Everybody got locked in their houses. That could have meant the end of a lot of freight that got moved in America. And so we said, and you felt and you believed, I just need to get out and run. I need to make everything I can um, as long as I can because this could go away tomorrow. We could get locked down again. We got these second, third, fourth waves of the virus spreading. And so I just need to drive as much and as often as I can. And that's really what happened. That's why miles went up last year. And I will also say, you know, there are drivers that took time out. They were afraid. They were older. They had health risks. They didn't want to get coronavirus. Uh, gosh, we had riots in major cities. Drivers didn't want to deal with that and drive through a city and have the chance of, you know, getting their truck, you know, uh, vandalized by all the people that were riding and those kinds of things. So, you know, by and large, there were certain events and areas that caused people to not drive. But overall, our clients ran more miles last year. So another question that we asked our partner fleets a couple days ago, um, because we want to talk about rates, is, uh, hey, everybody wants to grow their owner-operator capacity. Rates are going up in the industry, so are you going to give rate increases to owner-operators this year? And I can tell you that the bar has moved significantly. If you went back for the last 18 months, nobody was given rate increases in 2019, early 2020. Um, 
just a couple of days ago, we had 28% of our fleet said that they're planning on giving out 3% or more rate increases, um, percent rate increase uh, as we go through this year because they want to hire more drivers and they want to pay them more money. So that's good news for all of you on the phone. Um, so I want to talk about revenue per mile. The average owner operator revenue per mile was actually down last year. I've said you've made more money, which doesn't seem to make sense when revenue per mile went down. The average revenue per mile went down nine cents a mile. So the average driver leased to a motor carrier was making $1.46 per mile. In the flatbed business, if you were leased to a motor carrier, you were making a buck seventy-six. In the dry van, you were making a buck thirty-six. Reefer around a buck thirty-five. You know, if you're independent, you were making anywhere from a buck eighty-five up to two dollars per mile. So the reason that revenue per mile went down, and you guys know this, um, the price of fuel went down, right? So we were over three bucks a gallon for all of 2019, heading into 2020, and then the coronavirus caused a massive drop in oil prices, and fuel went down below 250 a gallon. When fuel goes down, our costs go down, and the fuel surcharges go down. And so that's really the only reason the revenue per mile went down at all last year. And I'll kind of tie that out in a little bit. So one thing I want to talk a minute about is kind of that Lone Ranger versus the hired gun and the Pioneer that are leased to a motor carrier. And, you know, we really watch that market. We have drivers that are, you know, do all those things, thousands of drivers that do all those things. But it's interesting to watch the psychology of the market and kind of see where it's growing. And I can tell you the used truck dealers, the finance companies, the finance independent drivers, they're going crazy right now, right? Used truck markets are through the roof. Um, you know, we work with a lot of those independent truck sales companies and finance companies, and they're just having record weeks and months every year selling equipment. And a big part of that reason is, is a lot of people are getting into that spot market business right now. Um, so let me just explain to you, we, we're big on break-evens at ATBS. And so we consider the break-even, if I'm gonna operate for a motor carrier um, and a lot of stuff gets done, on my behalf, loads get booked, I don't have to have my own trailer, you know, the money gets collected, I don't have to have my auto liability insurance, all that kind of stuff. So I'm gonna make a lower rate for doing that. If I go out and do this on my own, I gotta do all those things, I gotta get my trailer, I gotta get liability insurance. Um, so we consider that break even about 50 cents a mile, if I gotta go do that, or right around $50,000 a year. So as we headed into last year, we were, you know, below that break even, and we definitely went below that break even in April and May. And all of a sudden, the spot market went crazy. And I can tell you, you know, by the time we hit the second half of the year, if I'm running spot market, you know, um, an area where I could take advantage of those rates, they were paying $250 a mile in the dry van business. And if I was leased to a carrier, I'm making a buck fifty. So there's a differential of a dollar. And that's enticing to a significant amount of people when they hear that differential, right? In theory, I can go spend $50,000 and get my own insurance, get my own trailer, and hey, sign up for DAT and truckstop.com and I'm off to the races and I can be in my own business. I spend 50 grand to do that, but I can make an extra $100,000 a year doing that. You know, intuitively, there's drivers that are enticed to do that. The one thing that I just wanna tell everybody on the phone, there are drivers that can do that, no doubt, um, and be successful at it. But there are also drivers that chase the shiny penny in times like this because it is shiny and there's a lot of it out there and they don't think about the consequences. They get a second mortgage on their house or, you know, they go out and leverage themselves or they borrow money from friends and family to go get a down payment on their, you know, trailer. And then when the bad times come and it's like last May where in the spot market I can make a buck 60 and being leased to that motor carrier, I'm making a buck 50. So I'm losing net net $40,000 because I'm spending a bunch of extra money to run my own business but I'm not making any more money than being leased to the carrier. So I just want you to think really at the end of the day, 
Um, it's about your sustainability over the long-term business cycles because there's going to be ups and downs. Right now, you can make a ton of money in the spot market. Uh, there's no doubt about it. But that goes away at certain points in time. And I can also tell you that lasts for 12 to 18 months. And those more difficult times where we're more like a 20 to 30 cent differential where I'm losing 10 or 15 or $20,000 on that spread lasts for about three or four years. So, you know, it's a payoff, right? All I'm saying is think about what you're doing. Don't just go do it because it seems like the great time to do it and everybody else is making money doing it. We don't know how long this will last, right? I should have said in the beginning, um, you guys submitted a huge amount of questions. We had over 150 questions when you registered for the webinar. We had over 150 questions submitted, which is just awesome. There were some incredible questions. I'm trying to address the majority of those as I go through this presentation, and hopefully you will get your questions addressed. But I also wrote down the ones that don't really fit in the presentation. There's a bunch of tax questions. Um, I'm going to hit those at the very end. So uh, hopefully I'll get to answer most of your questions today. So at the end of the day, we take the number of miles that we drove, the money that we're making per mile, which we know was down, and how much did our gross revenue turn out to be last year? The average owner operator made $151,000, which was down a bit. It was down $4,000. Um, you know, it's real, it's amazing how it is pretty even among segments. The drive-in guys made 148,000 in revenue. The reefer guys made 156,000 and the flatbed guys made 154,000. So even though some run more miles and some less miles and some make more per mile at the end of the day, you know, they got to pay similar, right? Y'all are in the same business to make money. And so the gross revenue turns out to be pretty same, pretty much the same. I'm going to talk about fuel surcharge real quick. If you get paid a fuel surcharge, just to give you some numbers, um, on the low end, we see fuel surcharges paying about 6.7% of revenue. On the high end, 15, 16% of revenue. Um, you know, that's fourth quarter of last year. That's up for sure because uh, fuel's gone up in the last uh, two months. So uh, it's up a bit since then. Uh, back then, the average fuel surcharge per mile was anywhere on the low end from 12 cents a mile to, you know, 23 or 24 cents a mile. Again, we're probably up another 10 cents a mile on top of those today because fuel's gone up significantly. So I'm going to talk about the cost side of the business for a minute. Um, fuel costs, as we already talked about, the price per gallon came down. So ultimately, that meant our fuel costs came down. The average owner-operator spent about $0.34 cents a mile on fuel last year. That was $0.12 cents less, so a big drop from what they spent the year before, which is great news. Um, as a percent of revenue, the average owner-operator spends about 21% of their revenue on fuel, uh, or they're spending around $0.33 cents a mile on fuel. Again, just to give you some benchmarks. Uh, one thing that's really interesting is we saw our average miles per gallon for our clients last year uh, go up significantly. Half mile per gallon for the first time, all of our owner operators, 20,000 of them, averaged over seven miles per gallon. It was around six and a half miles per gallon before that. When we think about that, it didn't make sense last year because when fuel comes down, I don't care about it as much. And so I don't care about my idle time as much. And I'm probably going to drive faster because I don't need to conserve money on fuel. It's not expensive. And so we actually thought the reverse would happen and we couldn't make sense of it because we talked to some smart drivers and kind of batted that information around here internally. What we came to realize is last year was a really good time to drive a truck. And the reason was because everybody else was locked in their house. And so the first time forever, uh, we had a really efficient highway system. We weren't sitting in traffic in LA and Atlanta and Denver and, you know, all those big cities. And even on the highway, when we got on the highway, we could set our crews on 65 miles an hour and uh, just let it go. We didn't have to start, stop, slow down, speed up. And so that made for a really efficient system. And we got good miles per gallon. 
we're probably experiencing the reverse of that right now, right? Because everybody's coming out of their house, especially in springtime and, you know, Memorial Day is around the corner. And unfortunately, I live in Denver and, you know, what was a 20 minute drive last year is now a 45 minute drive again because everybody's back on the roads. But hey, we got the benefit of it last year, which is good. So an important thing to really think about and reconcile is how much revenue came down because fuel costs came down. And what's the net net of that? So I already said that revenue came down nine cents a mile. Fuel costs came down 12 cents a mile. In hard dollars, what that means is our revenue came down $4,000 last year over the year before, but our fuel costs came down 10,000. So the net net of that was $6,000 to the good. One thing I want you to really think about and keep in mind is, you know, we've got this fuel surcharge mechanism in trucking, which is good, right? It saves our life because fuel is a huge variable cost. If it goes one way or the other, it can kill our business. So the way the fuel surcharge typically works is when fuel comes down quickly and significantly or goes up, it adjusts at the pump, you know, almost every single day, right? The pump prices adjust really quickly as we go through fuel at the pump. The fuel surcharge mechanism conversely adjusts on a weekly or sometimes even a monthly basis. And so what happens when fuel is coming down is there's a significant cash flow gain. I'm paying less at the pump, but I'm making more revenue because that fuel surcharge is coming down slower than fuel costs. We're living, that was good. We had that happen in the first half of last year when we desperately needed it because of the coronavirus and everything going on. So we kind of had a cash flow gain. The opposite of that just happened over the last 90 days, right? Fuel hasn't skyrocketed, but it's insidiously crept up a few cents a gallon every week to over three bucks a gallon now. And so we're we're feeling the reverse of that. We're kind of feeling a cash flow crunch because at the pump it adjusts every day and it goes up more and that fuel surcharge is going up every week and month. So when fuel's flat, this doesn't matter, but that's an important concept to remember as, as we go up and down in, in fuel cycles. So the average truck payment, I'm going to just talk about your truck, you know, your biggest expense outside of fuel for a minute. Our average driver's paying $2,400 a month for their truck, whether they financed it, whether they lease it. And I can tell you, we have everything from brand new trucks where drivers are spending $3,500 a month on a truck to paid off trucks that have 3 million miles that spend a bunch of money on maintenance, right? But our average driver, you know, if we go back 15 years, they were spending $1,700 a month on a truck. So that's up significantly to $2,400 today um, for their truck payment. So then we got to look at the maintenance piece of that. And, you know, I'm sorry to say that maintenance went up significantly last year, $878. So the average owner operator spent $11,379 on their truck maintenance last year, which is, you know, between 11 to 12 cents per mile maintaining your truck. So you should be setting that aside for an escrow account um, if you're not for maintenance. One thing I will say is we saw a spike in maintenance last year for a couple of reasons. One reason is these trucks get more and more expensive to maintain. These newer trucks with all the electronics and EPA fuel economy stuff on them, they just cost more to maintain, right? Um, so that cost goes up. The second reason is we typically see drivers extend their preventive maintenance and they don't fix things that are broken that don't put them out of service when times are tougher. So 2019 was a you know rough year, right? Um, we didn't make as much money as we did in 2018. So we saw some of that deferred maintenance and then things get a little bit better in 2020 and drivers spend money to catch up on that maintenance they've been neglecting. That's one of the reasons maintenance was up last year too. So one of my favorite things to do is take, um, because people ask the question, is it better to run a new truck or a used truck and my maintenance costs and all that kind of stuff? You know, the easiest way to look at it is to take my truck payment on a monthly basis and take my maintenance costs on a monthly basis, add them together and divide it by the number of miles that I'm running. 
And that really kind of levels the playing field between new truck, used truck, maintenance, all that kind of stuff. So last year, our average driver spent around 35 cents per mile running their truck for the truck payment and for the maintenance. So that gives you a good benchmark, you know, depending on how you want to look at that cost. Um, I'm going to give you some ranges for occupational accident insurance if you're leased to a motor carrier. You know, on average, you're spending about 150 bucks a week or a month on OCAC. On the low end, we see $100. On the high end, $200. Uh, just to give you a benchmark, not a big cost, but just want you to kind of know where you're at. Um, communications, we see drivers spending anywhere from $100 a month to $300 a month, depending on if the carrier is paying for your Qualcomm or your PeopleNet or whatever you use to communicate. Cell phone bills will be 100 to 150 bucks a month. So, you know, a couple hundred dollars a month for communications analysis. So I'm going to get to uh, net income, right? What really matters most? Did we make any money last year? I'm really happy to say that the average owner operator made $67,750 last year. That's up significantly, 7.5% from 2019. It's up $4,700. And I'm going to give you the different segments. So the drive-in drivers made $68,000, just a little bit above the average. Reefer drivers made $61,000 roughly, so a bit below the average. And the flatbed guys were $75,000. You know, so you can think about that and you can hear guys in the flatbed business that are making a ton of money right now. And what I'd say is, you know, flatbed is the smallest segment of kind of major over the road trucking and it has higher highs and lower lows when things get tough. You know, you can go broke pretty quick in the flatbed business, but when things are really good, you can make really good money. You know, dry, um, a little bit lower highs and highs and a little bit more consistent than reefer. People, you know, eat food and drink beer kind of no matter what's going on. And so, you know, people are willing to make less money on a consistent overtime basis in the reefer business. So again, this is a time where a lot of drivers are questioning what they're doing because they hear their buddy in the truck stop making a ton of money, getting $4 per mile loads and making a $100,000 a year doing this and that. And it causes a question about, should I think about changing what I'm doing? And I'm not here to tell you one way or the other. You're the business person that needs to make that decision. One thing I will tell you is that ATBS, you know, we're good at running numbers. And so get all to your business consultant and we can do a budget with you. We call it a profit plan. We can go through the numbers and say, I'm going to switch from doing this to that. I need a new truck. Things are good. I want to buy a new truck. Let's see what that does to my profit plan. You know, get all of us and have us think through that with you. The one thing I will tell you is when you change what you're doing, it costs you money. You may not realize it, but um, it costs money. You've got to learn a new segment of the business. You've got to learn where the hot you know, freight markets are, where the drop yards are, all that kind of stuff. And so it's not something you should just do on a whim. Um, give it strong consideration because at the end of the day, you know, we calculated it cost you about $12,000 to make that change. If I can go make another $25,000, dollars $100,000, hey, maybe it's worth doing that. But again, that doesn't last forever. So um, I guess one thing that really bothers me in our industry is there's a lot of turnover and it costs a lot of money for the drivers, the companies, the whole industry, billions of dollars, literally billions of dollars. And my belief is that if I'm a good driver and a smart driver and I'm running my own business and I'm in a good market, I can maximize my net income by doing what I know best. And I can save a lot of money on cost by managing my business. I can maximize my revenue by being available to run. And so I'm better off focusing on my business rather than worrying about who's making an extra penny per mile than me. Um, focus on your own business. And enough preaching. I just kind of want to give you my 23 years of experience of watching guys and gals go broke. And it's usually those ones that are never happy and they're always looking for the next shiny penny and trying to chase, you know, something else. Um, be happy with what you got. So I'm going to give you some ranges in the drive-in business on the low end. 
last year we saw drivers making uh, $50,000 on the high end. We saw, you know, really for the first time, we saw people making six figures. We saw some drivers making $100,000 plus. In the reefer business, similar on the bottom end, we saw $51,000, same $100,000 on the top end. I already gave you the averages, so you know what those are. On the flatbed business, we saw on the low end people making 60 grand on the high end, $100,000. You know, in the specialized business, if you got a double drop deck, if you're on windmill blades, you know, that's serious business, right? It takes big investments. Some of those trailers cost $750,000, but we saw drivers making $125,000, $150,000 net in that business last year. So again, just trying to give you some benchmarks. So I like to look at things on a long-term trend to kind of see what's going on. The good news is, you know, in the owner-operator business, we track this data all the way back to the early 2000s. And then over the last 15 to 20 years, We've gone from making 35 cents a mile to making 60 to 65 cents a mile. We've gone from making 3000 to $3,500 a month to making close to $6,000 a month. So long-term trends, even though we have our ups and downs, um, trends are good for owner-operators. You know, one of the things that I like to think about the most in any job, my own job, how hard do I have to work for how much money am I going to get paid? The average American, you know, white-collar worker puts in 40 hours a week and whatever they make, let's just say $50,000. When I think about that from a trucking perspective, you know, 17 years ago, the average driver ran 139,000 miles. Today, you're running 104,000 miles. So that mileage has gone down by 40%, which is huge. Not saying that you don't work hard. You still work 11 hours a day, 70 hours a week. Trucking is still a very hard job ultimately, but it's gotten better. It's more regional. I don't have to be away from my home for a week, my family four weeks at a time. The job quality of life has gotten better. At the same time, the net income over that time period has gone from $47,000 to $67,000. So I only say that to help you understand that you're in a good place. It's not like there's too much competition and the economics are getting much worse for owner-operators over time. They actually continue to get better. And times like now, like 2018, we make significant leaps forward. There's going to be income coming your way this year. I can assure you, based on what's you know, projected this year, we're going to go from that $67,000 to over $70,000 net income this year. And I love to see that you guys, nobody deserves it more than, than you out there doing the hard work every day. Um, so I'm going to, I guess, wrap up by getting to kind of my last slide of comments and uh, trying to make predictions for this year. And then I'll go into some of the questions that we had. So we spent a lot of time trying to think about what 2021 holds for our clients, for trucking, for us. And uh, we're usually pretty good. We've been in this business a long time. We got people that have been in trucking around here for 35 years. I personally have been in it for over 30 years. When you've done something that long, you get a pretty good gut instinct about what you think is going to happen. But I think our confidence has been shaken because I think by and large last year at this time, everybody in America, everybody in trucking would have said this is going to be a terrible year. We're just locked up America. You know, sure, freight's going to be good for another few weeks while we restock the shelves, but then things are shut down. It's going to be a terrible year. We turned around two months later, and we had one of the best years in the history of trucking. You know, why was that? Uh, a, a big reason was, number one, government stimulus, right? They pumped trillions of dollars into the economy last year. But secondarily, something happened that I don't think nobody expected. When people went home, they stopped spending money on eating out for dinner, going on cruises, flying on airplanes. And they realized they were locked up in their house. And so what they wanted was nicer things at their house. They wanted nicer computer monitors. They wanted nicer carpet. They wanted nicer couches. They wanted a nicer yard. They wanted a nicer fence. And they started spending millions and millions and billions of dollars on things that got shipped on trucks. 
that turned out to be great for us in trucking. Nobody expected that, right? And we thought we were going to have the Great Recession, the Great Depression. It was going to be terrible. So I guess I say that because the opposite is going on right now. There's nobody in America and nobody in trucking that doesn't say this is going to be an incredible year. Just a few things that I've heard. Um, Americans saved over $2 trillion during the last year because they were scared. Even though they spent a bunch of money, they also got a bunch of stimulus money and they saved that. You know, now that we're coming out of our houses and people are getting shots, they expect people to spend that money. One thing I'm a little bit worried about is, you know, people are starting to fly again. People are starting to go out to dinner again. So if they started spending money on vacations and services, are they going to stop spending money on those things that move on trucks? A bunch of people bought new cars and new used cars last year. The car business went crazy. Is that going to slow down this year? I don't really know. Um, I wish I could tell you. One thing that concerns me also is that our government has put close to $9 trillion into our economy. It's a lot of money. It kind of builds a false floor, right? When you pump all that money into an economy, it saved us from a Great Depression. That's a good thing. But at the end of the day, when you put that much money in an economy, it makes everything cost more money. And somebody you know, that I was meeting with a couple of weeks ago that said that they had a neighbor that was building a boat dock. This was in Iowa. They're building a boat dock on the river. And they got started last year. And for a, I think a four by 10 piece of lumber to build the dock, they were spending $60 for that piece of lumber. They had to put the project on hold because winter came and they didn't want to do it during the winter. So they're getting started again now. That same piece of lumber costs $160. So it's gone up almost three times. So when that happens, people start questioning spending money. When everything goes up significantly, do we close our wallet? So I'm telling you all these things to say that by all predictions, we're gonna have a great economy. Things are gonna get good, even better in the second half of this year when everybody comes out from their house. But um, I'm a guy that likes to take care of the downside and the upside takes care of itself. So think about what can go wrong. You know, if things do slow down, all I can say is maybe like last year, um, just take the money while you can make it. We're in the best trucking environment I literally have ever seen. I'll run the miles, make the money, but save it. You know, put as much as you can in the bank because great times don't last forever. People that save money and plan for the down times do last. Uh, so spend, spend the time and the money that you're making right now to set it aside. I'm gonna go with the common thinking and I'm gonna say this is gonna be a great year. I'm gonna say that you can, should continue trucking and uh, you know, take it while it lasts. Quite a lot to chew on there from Mr. Amon. And we'll choose some more with a Q&A period from his uh, presentation in the podcast next week, too. So stay tuned for more about fuel prices, rates, and more. Thanks for hanging in. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. The podcast is edited and produced by myself, Todd Dills, with no small amount of support from Overdrive Extra Contributor and Muller Trucking Hauler, Paul Marhofer, Overdrive Editorial Director, Max Heine, social media coordinator Holly Young, and news editor Matt Cole. Till next time, let's keep it pro out there.